Welcome to the Antler Up Podcast, brought to you by Spartan Forge. Black Rifle Coffee Company is a veteran-owned coffee company serving premium coffee to people who love America. Fall is upon us, and there's no better way to get fueled up before hunt than with some Black Rifle Coffee. Coffee legitimately tastes better after a day in the woods or after a successful hunt. Fuel your next adventure and purchase at www.blackriflecoffee.com and use code ANTLER at checkout to save 20% off your purchase and or with your first coffee club subscription, Black Rifle Coffee. Also, just want to say a big thank you to our partners over at America's Best Bowstrings, hand-built in the USA since 2006. Amazing customer service, awesome quality and performance. Their Platinum Series strings are what we all run on our bows. We absolutely love them. Go and create a custom set today at americasbestbowstrings.com. Before we get into this episode, let's thank our partners over at Shea Butler Knives. And Shea makes custom everyday carry knives with the Rhino and Pursuit. His Ranger and Whitetail and Featherlight knives are amazing for anything, but especially out in the field. Shea's creativity, high quality materials, functional but unique designs, coupled with his precise leather work, make products that will last a lifetime. Check them out over at SheaButlerKnives.com. Our friends over at Half Rack just released some awesome gear and they were great enough to give our listeners 10% off their order. All you have to do is click on the link in the podcast bio or the link on our link tree on Instagram and that will give you your percentage off at checkout. So get some of the highest quality hunting and outdoor accessories that will help you prosper in the field. Half Rack is aiming to be mindful of the past, conservation conscious and evolve into the future. Before we get into this episode, I want to share with you a few discount codes that will help you save some money and get ready for the upcoming hunting season. The Elk Collective is the virtual elk hunting resource with tons of videos and information to get you ready to chase elk this upcoming season. Use code podcast and save $30 today at the elkcollective.com. Spartan Forge stands at the nexus of machine learning and whitetail deer hunting to deliver truly innovative and science-based products that saves the hunter time spent scouting, planning, and executing their hunts. New things are on the horizon, so use code ANTLERUP to save 25% off your Spartan Forge membership at spartanforge.ai. Thanks to our partners over at Tether, Tether makes premium saddle gear by saddle hunters for the saddle hunter. They just dropped some new gear like the MVP, which can turn your saddle into a two-panel or just a more rigid back support. And also some new suspenders, so if your saddle tends to sag, grab a pair. And both items are retrofitted, so it doesn't matter what saddle or brand you have, they're going to work. Check them out at tethernation.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Antler Up podcast. We are on episode 92. On today's episode, Dimitri and I had Aaron Hepler on the show. Aaron resides in southeastern PA and has been chasing public land whitetail for the last seven years and considers his bread and butter to be clear cuts. We had Aaron go through different hunting scenarios, current 2021 20, hunts, 
his plans for how he'll hunt the rest of the month, and his favorite features to pick out when scouting and how he ends up hunting those. Some really good whitetail information in this one, especially those hunting right here in the state of PA. We share a ton of great information in this one, so sit back and enjoy this fun episode. Antler up. Well, we're back. We're live. Uh, we got Aaron Helpler on, and Aaron, thanks for coming on. How you doing? Thanks for having me, buddy. Dude. I'm doing good. Yeah, so we have a, a, a bunch of mutual friends uh, that we have together. So who, who are our buddies that, that, that we uh, have mutual? So uh, um, I actually do a lot of hunting with Troy Troy Dietrich from uh, Dietrich Outfitters. And um, so actually, funny story, we met on the game lands uh, <laughs> where we both hunt. And um, I saw his bike and I was like, oh, kind of looks familiar. I've seen that before because <laughs> he had, you know, had a lot of pictures of it before. So we ended up running into each other while we were scouting and just kind of hit it off and scouting like the same area. So do a lot of hunting with hunting with Troy and scouting with Troy and, uh, and Tom, um, uh, Tom drop time, Tom, right? <laughs> yep. Drop time, Tom. Uh, uh, Tom kind of, I think Tom reached out to me through Instagram and we kind of hit it off from there. And, um, we have a mutual f- friend in, uh, Clint Campbell as well. So yeah. Kind of, you know, yeah. That's pretty cool, man. Small, uh, yeah, small, small world when it comes to Pennsylvania hunters, right? Yeah. It's so big and there's so many of us, but yet we all kind of, you know, intertwine. Yeah. Think of, I want you to introduce yourself. So think you have a hunter baseball card. Tell us, give us your bio, maybe give to like your attribute, like what would be your boost to uh, your team? All right. Well, I guess if I had a rookie card, I, <laughs> I, I probably started out with like a lot of PA hunters, right? Um, uh, I actually hunted a lot of private land growing up. Um, I did really well there, shot a lot of bucks there. I still hunt there. Um, but there was a lot of amateur in that card, right? Like, um, we had all our stands set up. So I would be like, uh, you know, field edge, uh, maybe travel, travel corridor or something like that. Um, now I think I'm trying to think of when I started hunting public land, I think maybe it was seven years ago. Now this would be my, maybe my seventh year getting into it. And uh, um, most of it was because I read some field and stream article that Dan Infault wrote, just like most of us that got into public land hunting. I mean, he's like the the godfather of all of it, you know, like <laughs> right. everybody loves Dan. Um, but it really like intrigued me because I was, I, um, I missed out on some of that hunting on, you know, private. So I would say now, um, with what we have available in Pennsylvania, I hunt the big woods. I hunt, you know, uh, if I was, was going to say that I pick something to hunt often, it's probably clear cuts. Um, I do, um, really like ridge systems too, cause they're, you know, easy to play some wind, maybe not easy, but you have, you have a lot of tricks you can play with wind and thermals and that kind of thing. So that's probably, um, what I, what I, uh, have an affinity for. Okay. So that's your attributes is hunting those clear cuts and love them. Yeah. I like it. Now, now how do you to dive right in, hunt your clear cuts? You know, are you talking, how old are they? You know, is they age? Is there something different that you do? You know, is there kind of fresh? You got a lot of the tops as there's a lot of feed for the deer, you know, as they get older, it's more just cover. Can you kind of explain how you go about as far as your preparation and scouting of the clear cuts and then maybe lead into how you hunt them? 
Sure. Um, uh, every clear cut's different, but everyone has like a, a piece that I like to use. Right. Um, so if I'm, if we're going to start with, um, like a younger, uh, brand new clear cut, um, I really liked everybody, everybody should focus on the edge of that, right? You're looking at a wide open, um, expanse. Maybe there's some bedding that they'll do inside of if, if they piled up logs in those clear cuts and that kind of thing. Um, but first and foremost, obviously you have to find a clear cut. So you either, you know, I use Onyx. most people use Onyx. um, so if I find a clear cut on Onyx, I'll go check that out. Um, and then I base my scouting around that cut. Um, uh, other, you know, you can find some things through like local agencies and that kind of thing that I like to use as well. Um, everybody likes to use the, the Pennsylvania Game Commission app. If they haven't used it, check it out. They have the info on um, new clear cuts, what was done in the last year, what was done in the last five years. Um, or, you know, time warping through Google Earth. Google Earth's not really that great for much anymore, but it's good for that. So you can kind of see back to when, when things were done. But when I start looking for a clear cut, if I'm looking at a brand new one, they're not my favorite to hunt because it is an open area. Um, you might you might actually do better in a rut time zone for that, right? Um, having bugs cruising the edge of that um, early in the mornings, checking does that might be out feeding and that or something like that. So. I don't spend a lot of time in year old clear cuts more so around them um, okay. in the pockets of cover that are around those clear cuts. Um, the ones that I like are the three to the five, maybe seven year old, depending on what kind of vegetation is in them. Um, but the first clear cut that I ever, um, that I ever really dove into, I was like, well, how can I relate mountain hunting? Cause everybody's talks about marsh hunting when you're talking about like Midwestern guys, like, Oh, in a big well there's not a lot of that you know i'm in the southeast corner of pennsylvania um there's not a lot of swamp around here where we're talking miles of swamp i mean you find some pockets that are swampy and that kind of thing and but not not a lot of continuous swamps so one of the things that i like to do with clear cuts is um is i treat it like a swamp a swamp with a lot of differing terrain so the first one that I ever went to, um, I think I, I scouted it in spring, uh, 2018. And this was, I want to say, what did I say? I'm in this for seven years. So I was, you know, hunting public land at the time for three or four years, pretty seriously. And a, a buddy of mine and I found some clear cuts on Onyx, and I was like, nobody really talked at the time that was, they were not as popular as they are now. Right. Like, mm-hmm. People was like, oh yeah, there's good food, but everybody would get ticked off if they found that they they went to their hunting spot and their tree stands were gone because that everything's cleared, right? So um, they weren't quite as popular then, I don't think. So I remember we we scouted this thing in the spring and we found all kinds of deer sign and trails. Went, oh, this is cool. And we really found some great bedding inside the actual cut. You know, um, one of the things that we look for. Um, is the train that comes together inside the cut and then maybe something that sweetens the pot. Like uh, maybe they have like a water hole or um, a, a lot of the old log staging trails that go through the cuts are really great to start a starting point to look around and see where, where uh, bedding or um, activity branches off from there. So we actually hunted that, um, that clear cut that fall and the very first cold front that came through at the end of October and I actually killed my very first buck with a bow and I killed my very first public land deer 
and uh it was my biggest buck to date so <laughs> on that very first hunt very first sit we went in there you know oh this is the day we got to go check out that spot and um he was uh, uh i believe nets are for fishing so he he grossed 125 he was a 120 125 inch 10 pointer um so that was my start to clear cuts and now i have like that affinity to clear cuts because i'm just like oh they're great I do a lot of shed hunting in them. I scout them like crazy. Um, that deer I actually killed pretty deep inside this cut. And it was a, I mean, you can't see anything in that. This is a, a cut that's probably, I want to say it was, I want to say it was probably six years old at the time. So this, you know, it's about, about six feet tall. Deer have overhead cover um, as well as just, as thick as it can get um you the one thing that i found inside these is those little open pockets not open but enough that the um the overhead canopy wasn't so much so you could actually get a shot inside something like that and that was close to some of those logging access roads that are in through the uh in through the interior of the clear cut where are you setting up for on like in a clear cut like that so a clear cut like this one, like I said, I, I start out by um, kind of mapping my way through those, um, those old um, the logging uh, roads. Log staging, yeah, those logging roads that are through there. Um, they're easy. They're an easy way into the middle, right? Um, they're they're quite they're the, as quiet as, it, as it's going to get inside a cut. <laughs> Not, a lot of times, you know, you can branch off of them. Maybe you can, you know, it's public land, so you're not busting through. You're not like cutting trails through them, but there might be some thin area where you can get into a side pocket. And um, you'll find a lot of times in these in Pennsylvania, you'll have low brush in some areas instead of like you'll you'll, you'll go through a part where there's all kinds of big, um, heavy red briar and maybe really thick tall laurels, and you'll get into something else that's maybe. Um, maybe the oaks didn't do that great in an area, but they're short and they're the only thing that's growing. So they're only ankle high or knee high or something like that. And you'll have like a 15 yard patch where that's, you can sneak into something like that. And you'll, you'll, when you go into something like that, you'll know that the deer are eating it because all the, you know, all the, the top is browsed. Um, and you can tell, you know, you're looking to see if it's fresh obviously or not. Um, so those are the kind of pockets that I'm looking for are the other pieces that are um, enough to give me anywhere between a 10 and 20 yard shot inside a cut. Um, and it might not be like a big circle or anything like that. It's just something that I'm looking for because it almost makes the spot in a spot. Right. Right. Um, it's, it's hard for bow hunters cause we want to be able to see as much as we can and, you know, you, you want to, Oh, I want to go out and I want to see deer. That's great. If you want to see deer, don't go sit inside it in the <laughs> middle of a clear cut. Cause it's probably, you might sit for a while before one crosses that trail. And you know that because if you put a camera there, you're only going to be able to see what that camera's seen when you're actually sitting there. Cause right. it's, it's going to be thick. And if that camera picks up something once every four days, that's what you're looking at seeing. Yeah. And if you're not there on that once in four days, you probably aren't going to see something. So you have to be okay with that when you're sitting inside something that thick. Right. Um, those are the ones that I, I see that I see less pressure in. So that's really why I like something like that. This particular, um, 
one that I had found had a water hole that was pretty consistent. So I was actually hunting over a water hole. Um, and like I said, it was, it was actually, it was off, um, one of these logging roads and it was pretty close to some, uh, some pretty large, um, oaks that they left to be, to be seed trees. So that's what I could get up in. Um, the, the furthest I could shoot in that spot was about 15 yards. Um, thick and nasty. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's painful cause you can hear deer running around you all morning long. You can hear deer grunting and making all kinds of racket. You can see trees swaying when bucks are rubbing them, but you know, they just might not go through that spot. So that's definitely something you have to be okay with. Now you also talked about hunting the edge of clear cuts. You know, is there a certain time frame or time of the year that you're, you're kind of doing that? Or is there certain train features outside the clear cut that kind of lead you to be a little bit more on the edge? Sure. Um, uh, I'm trying to think of a good scenario here. Um, I do like hunting the edges early on, depending on the food. Um, so one clear cut that I like to hunt most recently is about that section of it's about three or four years old. And it's, it's a lot of, um, uh, wildflowers and, uh, warm season grasses. And there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of pokeberry and, um, like, uh, uh, blackberry bushes in this. The deer tend to love that in the earlier part of the season. And I've noticed, uh, two years ago I was hunting where I thought deer were coming through from their bedding into the cut to feed. And I, I didn't see anything that evening. I walked out through the cut and when I walked out through the cut, there were deer everywhere. I was like, well, how did they get there? Like they could have only gone past me or they could have gone, you know, there was a, there was an access road on that side that was traveled pretty often. I was like, well, why would they be next to the road? Um, what I found was, is they were bedding in a, a little thick patch in inside the cut. And then they were just coming out to feed on all that, all those different berries that were in there in the early season. I sat there last year. So I'm like, Oh, I'm going to sit the edge of this woods instead of in it. And when I sat the edge of it, of course they were in it like 60 yards. And I had a, I had a um, deer that was probably like, he would have been a buck that I would have shot on the first day. I, you know, I'm not like an ultra, I'm not an ultra picky PA hunter. There's times where I'm like, Oh, I'm going to wait for a, Pope and young. And most of the time I do, or <laughs> most of the time I don't, you know? Um, but, um, this buck was about 60 to 80 yards inside the cut. And they're just, I mean, they won't leave. Like they'll just feed on those, those blackberries and, and pokeberries until they're ready to go out in a field in the dark. Um, this year, um, I, I like sitting that kind of spot, you know, closer to the opener cause the pressure's it's brand new. They're not used to it yet. And that spot's pretty deep. People don't go there on the first day cause it's just way too hot. Like for people to really want to go back that far. Um, but I did find that, you know, the deer, they, they still bed in that, that thicker, taller cover and they come out and they're eating these berries and, um, they look for, uh, in this particular cut, they look for tire tread tracks that are full of water. They're looking for that. And I've, I found, like a lot of that stuff does hold water pretty well because it's packed really tight because the clear cut's still new. Um, so it almost, you know, and a lot of the grass roots keep it, um, keep it moist. So they are looking for water in there as well. 
Nice. Well, and I think that's what the hard part is. We've kind of, we discussed this even before the podcast is, you know, trying to find that, that food source, right. Especially in PA, right. You know, cause we don't have, yeah. we're not hunting ag fields. We're hunting up on the mountain, you know, and yeah. I think the early season it's tough cause there is more food sources than you realize for the deer, yeah. you know? So, and a yeah. lot of those food sources are pretty darn close to their bedding area, you know? And so we ah. think the weather has something to do with it, which it probably does a little bit, but you know, and it's been really wet this year, you know? So a lot of those food sources are pretty plentiful still, even in coming into mid October. So, you know, those deer just don't have to travel as far you know, to define that feed, which yeah. makes it real tough of trying to f- locate that food source and getting in between that when it's a, such a short, short distance. Well, you, you add, add in too, like Aaron, I know we, you and I were messaging back and forth and I said to Dimitri, I don't know, I'm sure where you are because I saw early on with the acorn drop was just insane. And I was that back, was I was back at home in Northeast PA this past weekend. And even where Dimitri and I went out the one day after work and just acorns were everywhere. I just, for me back at home in Northeast PA up on the mountain, that's the first time in five years that we had acorns. And I was like, well, I just want to go in and kind of, I had to do a couple help my dad on the private spot with, with the chainsaw a little bit and uh, move some fallen trees. And I just, I couldn't get over how many acorns were just loaded. I, 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 yeah. I don't, I wouldn't even, honestly, I wouldn't even know where to begin, how that would change the deer movement up there. Just because again, this is the first time in five years that there's actually acorns. Yeah. I mean, I'm getting, I'm getting pictures on cell cams that I didn't get until late October last year. And I think that's why is because, well, there's white oaks there and it, it's an area deer like to travel, but they weren't there last year because there was no acorns there. Now it's like, Oh, like there's bucks hitting a scrape in the, in the beginning of October, what, like what, what's the deal? But I, I do think that's why I think one, one hard thing about Pennsylvania woods is that a very large portion of it is oaks. So when you get that acorn crop, it's like, well, where do they go? Like they don't need to go look for oaks. They're everywhere. Yeah. Um, I think the, the one thing that, you know, can help you is to find the isolated patches of oaks or even, um, uh, maybe like a significant source that would be close to a bedding area that might be like maple or something like that. Cause you know, deer, those maple, those short maples after a burn, a couple years after a burn, they get thick deer love bedding in those maples like that. Um, so, and I, I actually, I, I did have a, an encounter with a deer that was probably 130 inches last week and it was on something like that. Right. They bedding down low, um, on a ridge system, uh, using a bowl probably to their advantage, trying to get catch those thermals that are just go, coming from every direction in a, a bowl like that. And um, there's, uh, on top of this bowl, there's a couple of patches that are oaks and the middle of it's not. So they're coming out of that bedding area and going left or right, you know, east or west, whatever. And um, being close to that cover is kind of key. I missed out on that a little bit. I was, I was off the mark a little on something like that. Um, they're, you know, that's what they're focused on is what yeah. can they get to first from their bedding, obviously. Yeah. It's crazy. I just, like I said, when I was up there, I, I just, just was telling Dimitri, I was down into a lower spot and it, it, we had a little bit of rain. It actually was calling for rain. Then it did not call for rain. When I woke up, it was lightly raining. I'm like, I'm even mm-hmm. more excited. Like, let's get out there. I got set up and, uh, 
I was in a, I was located on a spot where I, I, I was near an area that historically over the last couple of years, I could see some good deer movement, especially some, yeah. you know, some bucks early on. And if, you know, see how they're traveling. And I, I had two doe around me, big doe and a, and a fawn for, I would say about an hour and a half, just kind of circling me. And she, the big doe was on alert and she was coming on a string about 10 yards from me and she was dead. I was, I was in the saddle. Uh, the tree was between us and she just kind of stopped after she took, I mean, I could have spit on, spit on her and she just kind of like took two bounds and just kept moseying what she was doing. And the wind was swirling. I was telling Dimitri, that's the first time I've ever hunted up at that club in all my years that the wind was swirling every, like I would drop a piece of milkweed. It would go east. And then when I drop it again, it was going back north and it was just swirling. And finally she got to about after an hour and a half, she got to about 60 yards in the timber up on this little hill and she just yeah. starts blowing. I'm like, okay, you're literally 10 <laughs> yards in front of me. You you don't care. And then you're 60 yards away and you start blowing like an idiot. So yeah. that was, that was getting towards later in the morning. And I was like, I just want to get down I, before I blow this. This is a spot I definitely want to get back to. Um, so I, I got out, but then later on that evening on my cell cam, I had a really nice deer moving like right at last light. I just didn't want to go down there because of the wind kept doing what it was doing. It was swirling around, but you know, I, and I'm actually in hindsight, I'm so glad I was not down there because he would have been coming down there when I was probably going to be tearing down or he probably wouldn't even come because my, he would have, you know, smelled me. So, but you know, at least I had got some Intel on him, and, uh, you know, we'll see how it goes uh, in the next couple of weeks. Well, and that's something you can build on for next year too. Right? right. And that's, that's how I look at all my spots. Like if it's something that I haven't hunted before is like, well, uh, like the spot I just told you about in the clear cut, I, I, I built that spot over a couple of years, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, it didn't pan out for me this year. Um, but last year the buck that was in the middle of that cut was like 115 inch buck. If I would have been everything's like, I should have did this. I yeah. should have did that. But you know, I, I wasn't really wrong, right? Like I knew the deer were using the edge and if he would have been with the does, I would have had a 10 yard shot. And I did have, um, last, last year's opening morning hunt. I had seen in, in this area, there were 20 does and six bucks. So all these bucks were like, you know, spikes and yeah. four corns, stuff like that. I had easy shots at them. I think he was just smart enough to know like, Hey, they're there. I'm going to hang back a little bit in, in the middle <laughs> of this. Cut. Like, like nothing's coming at me out here. Right. Like, um, so I think that's where that kind of played in, but that's a lot of deer to see on public land using the edge of a cut like that. Yeah. That's very close to the main access road. So we're, we're now getting to the middle of October. We're, we're approaching that. We still have yet to have our first cold front. Um, yeah. What are you doing right now? Like how much time have you been out already? Uh, I, I like for Dimitri and I, we've been out three, three times. So not much. And, and I'm okay with it. It's, it, it is what it is. You know, we have life and, but man, the weather has just not really even been that like, and, enticing to want to get out just you know and mosquitoes have been horrible like Dimitri said it's been wet it's been humid um you know usually I'm pretty good with mosquitoes but man thank goodness I have a thermocell because even with the thermocell I'm like you see me because I'm itching because I got some mosquito bites but 
uh, you know, what are you doing right now? How has your season gone so far? Like what, you know, how are you locating some deer and, and kind of that situation? Yeah. So I'm, I'm about the same number of days as you here. Um, I did, uh, did a little bit of hunting in like the 5C area early on. Cause you know, nice September opener, good yep. reason to get an entry. Um, this is my first year using a saddle too. So I was nice. like, Oh, no time like the present to practice. <laughs> right. so, um, yeah, so that's going well, but, um, no, in my, in the statewide areas, I've, um, I've got out twice so far, um, got out with Troy on the, you know, I heard his, uh, he, he told his tale of his debacle yeah. with his book. <laughs> what a bummer. And, um, but, uh, I sat out all day that day and I, I didn't see anything in the morning, but you know, it was, I used that same scenario for that clear cut, um, touching on those berries early. Like you said, we're getting in the middle of October. Now those, those are almost all gone. Like you might have some lagging poke berries and stuff like that. And I, I see deer love that up until about the middle of October. Um, so that's what I did that day. I, I think I saw, I, I saw 10 deer in that cut that, that were, um, bedded where I, where I would have expected them to be bedded. Um, got out to a spot that Troy and I, uh, scouted together, uh, this spring. And we had a camera in there that we hung the last time we were out. And I was like, yeah, we can get up in there and just see what's on that camera. Cause we haven't seen anything, you know, haven't checked anything in that area. And I'm kind of like, well, I know there's lots of acorns down in there. And we knew there were like, um, isolated patches with, uh, I want to say, is it, um, black gum tree in between or hickory trees in between all these oaks and I, they you know deer don't care for hickories if there's acorns um so we i got down in there and um i knew it would be good because some of the area that we're looking at there also you know has some uh some water holes that hang out and you know um like rock basins and stuff that'll hold hold some water and we had recently got some rain so i was like ah it's you know that's one of the only areas up top that's going to have water. Um, so I did, I, I went into this spot and it's actually pretty low on the hill. I'm surprised the wind, the, I'm surprised that I didn't have a lot of the swirling wind like you were talking about with all the, all the foliage still on the trees. I'm surprised that it didn't. Um, I hunted the, uh, I hunted the, the South side of a mountain with a, with like a, a, a Southeast wind. And, um, it really ended up being perfect. I, I was expecting deer to come from my East and West. Um, and I was expecting my thermals to drop in the evening, but I think with the humidity that we had, they just kept, everything kept going up all night. So it was, it was perfect. The perfect scenario for what I was talking about, but I'm looking, I'm looking for something like, um, uh, those isolated, um, areas of oak that are in the forest instead of like just the whole ridge. That's an entire, um, patch of oak trees. Um, surprisingly the deer were, the, there were deer that were going towards the reds and some were going towards the whites. I think it just depended on, um, where they were, but this encounter that I had with this buck the other, the other evening, um, I, I have a really bad habit of when I get excited, I like to, um, I like to make calls because I think, you know, I don't know if I just like to make things happen, but I do. I snort wheeze all the time. Yeah. And uh, it actually, I, I, I do it with kind of a reason. So uh, 
I had does come out either, either direction. Um, you know, three or four of them went to the, towards the red Oak section and three or four of them went towards this white Oak section that I was looking at. And I'm thinking, Hmm, well, they're out like an hour early. I let them, they were, I watched them eating these oaks on either side. And, um, I heard another deer coming directly toward directly in my direction. And I'm like, Oh, well, the wind's still good. Like, that's great. He's making a lot of noise. Then I could hear a deer raking a tree and I could hear tines clicking on sticks. And I'm like, Oh, there's, I mean, it sounds like a good buck. Like, I don't know, you know, a spike could sound like a good buck when it's coming through a bunch of brush. I'm like, well, I'm going to just snort wheeze and get him to come out of there, you know? And I snort wheezed and he started like grunt coughing, you know, <clears throat> and he got, he got real fired up. I could hear him making a scrape and then he, I could, you know, I could hear him raking on, he got closer. He was about 50 yards in this cover. And I'm like, why can't I see this deer yet? And the does started like jumping around wherever they, they were like jumping around at each other. And he grunt coughed one more time and ran straight to these does and he's chasing them around. I'm like, Oh my goodness, look at that. And, um, I mean, if I would have been, you know, sitting close, hindsight, the the cover was below and above me. The middle of where I was sitting, it was only slightly different, right? Like okay. there was co- still cover there, but it wasn't that tall cover that he wanted. It was like, you know, th- the cover he was in was about my head height. The cover I was in was about my, you know, knees to waist height. Um, and a little more sparse, but it's not something you really think about when you're setting up. You're like, Oh, I can get a shot to that edge. They're probably going to travel that edge. No, he was in it. Um, and when he came out of it to chase those does, I was like, my heart sank. I was like, well, I'm not getting shot now, but, um, I mean, it's always cool to have an encounter like that. You don't get to see bucks like that all the time. So it's cool. You kind of, you know, like, Oh, I did something right. But, Again, building off of a spot like that's important. I'm going to know next year, like, hey, this isn't really a bad early season place. If there's acorns on the ground, you get into that cover. I probably wouldn't have had a great shot in that cover, but there's probably one spot that I probably would have had, a, you know, oh, it's a it's a big buck. Oh, there's his vitals. You know, things like that. Uh, you have to look for little holes, uh, little holes to shoot through when you're when you're talking about cover and public land like that. It is time for this week's Vortex Nation Highlight. When sighting your Bowen and getting those tape wheels dialed, there's one key element that is sometimes overlooked. Be sure to use your rangefinder you plan on using while hunting or target shooting. Many times, archers will sight in with a buddy's rangefinder or just use rough estimates for distance to later find out their bow doesn't really match up with that rangefinder. In the end, it doesn't matter even if your rangefinder is slightly off if your bow is sighted to it. The Antler Up crew chooses to rock the Vortex Ranger 1800. We found that its laser precision accurate ability to take in a ton of light in those critical low light situations, HD glass, scan mode, all backed by Vortex's lifetime warranty, make the best rangefinder for us from the archery to gun season. Check them out at vortexoptics.com. Now, you had that encounter you're talking about. You have good intel for next year, but now how will you go about hunting that buck knowing he's there kind of knowing where his bedding is you know do you do you kind of feel like that's something that's going to have to wait to maybe the rut where you know he maybe 
forgets a little bit about, you know, that encounter you had with him, if he picked up on your wind or, you know, how do you kind of game plan moving forward when something doesn't pan out like that? You know, it, you know, the first it's usually the best, um, but you gain some intel, you know, he's in there. What do you do moving forward to kind of figure out the next play on that deer? I have two schools of thought for that. One is to just let it go. And this is one reason I hunt public land. I have a lot of spots. So if I blow one up or burn one out, I'm like, well, either that's a lost cause or, or did I get out of there well enough where he's not spooked? I don't, I don't know that I spooked the deer. They definitely caught my wind because those does took him straight up the hill and their, my wind went straight to them after that. So I'm sure minus they they weren't i didn't hear any deer running or blowing or anything like that but i'm sure they caught my wind and i'm sure they feast out so to hunt that exact spot again this year um outside of may, maybe a rut scenario i don't i don't i don't think he's coming back there maybe he would come to the edge of that cover or something like that and i could capitalize on that um this particular deer we actually had troy and i had on camera a few times and um he's he's kind of all over the place so i don't know um i don't know that i would necessarily have to hunt them him there i think he's kind of a point hopper i think there's uh, a couple of uh series of points that he probably goes from one point to the next and uses the uh the bottoms as cover um he was bedded in a bowl that night um and i i imagine he probably bedded there during the morning trying to you know, catching thermals from three different directions, um, is, is what my thought was. So I probably, I, I won't not hunt that deer, but I probably won't hunt him there again. Um, he, he does use a clear cut. Um, I'll probably hunt him off one of those points that, um, kind of leads up and down into that cut. Nice. I liked what you said though, how you were able to take that information what happened now? Like if you get after him again this year or not, you're, you're, you're taking note and verifying the importance of that cover because, you know, like you said, a lot of people would just be like, why didn't he come out and not really kind of add like one plus one equals two together to equal that. You know what I'm saying? To really say, okay, Hey, I think he just did not like that cover that I was in and didn't continue to go on there. Me personally, that's something that I want. I want almost it to, I want my hunts to slow down a lot more. I want to be able to understand and process and figure out and really kind of take note as to why uh, maybe certain things are happening. Like, again, like I was saying to you before, like why did that doe on Saturday come to eight yards in front of me and not blow, but then she's in 60 yards in the thick cover with leaves and canopy and all this stuff and then all of a sudden just start blowing and still didn't really piece out of there like about out of hell, just kind of, you know, like, and she was just like head was down next to you know it. She picked her head up. Like I was watching her, I was filming her and whew, whew. I'm like, what, what in the world? And then she kind of just, you know, moseyed her way going back where she kind of came from. And after, you know, like I said, she was there for an hour and a half. Uh, so it was, I don't know. Like I, I've been trying to like piece that together. And I, for me, I, Honestly, I, the only thing I could think of is finally something swirled and she got wind and just was kind of over it. <laughs> yeah, I wonder like how, how if, you, if your wind is swirling, how diluted it was in some areas versus yeah. another area. Yeah. And 
deer blow at everything too. Yeah. I never understand that. Like though I've seen them blow at box turtles. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's always a, it's always a crapshoot. If you don't actually see the deer blowing at you for some odd reason, you're like, well, is it blowing at me or is it blowing at something else? You know? Yeah. Yeah. I like that, man. No. So, you know, like I said, we're, we're here in that middle of October. Uh, how are you handling your next upcoming hunts a little bit? So, um, I'm actually going out tomorrow morning. Um, it's more of a camaraderie memory hunt. We're going back to where I, uh, I shot that 10 pointer. That was for me and my buddy that I was hunting with. That was like kind of our turning point. Um, but we, we kind of started doing it together. Um, and, uh, that was kind of our turning point. And that was like, Oh, we're going to pack this deer out. It's going to be so cool. That part of the story is pretty <laughs> hilarious. But, um, it was a really, it's, it's just a really cool moment. So we're, we're going to do that. We have a, a wind that we're like, Oh, that'll work for that. So let's just go in there and hunt and have a good time. Um, uh, it's kind of like dating, man. Deer, deer always show up when you're, when you're not looking right. <laughs> that's how I found my wife. Right. Like, Oh yeah. I'm not really looking for a girlfriend, but here she is, you know? Yeah. So, um, kind of like that. Yeah. So that's gonna, gonna pull the trigger on that. And then, um, so this week I'm not going to get out, uh, uh, an overabundance for some family things, but then, um, I do have off all week next week as well. Uh, I have off all week this week and next week. <sighs> Um, that looks perfect looking at the weather right now. I know that front that's coming in on like Sunday. Sunday? Yeah. I know. Of course, Sunday. Like I, I know where I'm going. Yeah. <laughs> I had a buddy of mine message me and he's like, dude, do you see that cold front coming? I'm like, yeah, it's Sunday. Can't hunt it. You know? And he's like, yeah. what's going on with P cause he doesn't live in PA. He's like, you guys got to get over it. I said, yeah, tell me oh, about man. it. Yeah, for real. And there's all kinds of excuses of why we don't, but, mm -hmm. um, yeah. Um, no, moving forward, the, the last two weeks of October are my favorite time to hunt. Um, you're getting getting those bucks that are still on food sources, still in their home range, and now they're looking for does. So if you know where some of the food they like is or some of the food they might know is, and then you know where all the does are, there's a really good chance you're going to have a shot. Um, the other thing, too, is is they're on their feet a lot in that, in that last two weeks of October, so all day hunts actually make sense. Um, and, um, you know, when you're talking a cold front in the end of October, you're not talking to, like a cold front, like you would see in November, right? You're not seeing like, uh, a single digits or teens or something like that. You're seeing like, um, yesterday it was 70 and today it's 55. Well, a buck that's got a winter coat and the temperature's 55 degrees, he's still hot. So they're still looking, you know, for they're burning a lot more calories they're looking for nutrition they're looking for water um so you know water is something i i stick i stick close to um that's a when, really good point yeah when i'm talking about the uh the end of october and that's actually um that buck that i killed in the cut that's kind of why i picked the spot i picked you know we're like oh they're cruising maybe we should be on the edges where they're cruising and just checking uh you know send checking the cut for does that kind of thing and that actually worked we my buddy and i actually almost doubled that day um and he had a a, a, a an eight that was about the same size as the buck that i shot um uh wind him on a ridge top um that was off the end 
of this guy actually had uh, a brand new part, a five-year-old part that met hardwoods and he was sitting on the, on the corner of all three of those. Um, and he's had a lot of, uh, a lot of good encounters at that, at that spot. Um, but that's actually why I picked, you know, I was like, well, I could sit the edge, but I think I'm going to sit, I'm going to, I'm going to get in it because there's a really good reason for bucks to cruise up and down those logging roads inside and a really good reason for them to stop where I want them to. And, um, and that's why I picked that spot. Uh, cause I knew, you know, a water hole is a perfect stopping point for a buck who's, uh, cruising the, uh, cruising those logging roads like that. Nice. So, you know, you saying that last two weeks in October, you're, you're not really changing your strategy of, of where you're going. You're just kind of basically what your Intel gave you, but you're just kind of hitting these spots more often because, you know that they're going to be on their feet and moving or is there's kind of another strategy you implement based off your terrain uh features you have because those bucks are moving looking for does yeah i i i would i don't think i do change my strategy honestly i'm not i'm not a i'm not uh, a super stellar uh super stellar um early season hunter yet and those are the things that i'm looking to um I'm looking to improve on. So I'm hunting those areas early because I want to learn something about them. I want to see how deer are using them and I'm going to capitalize on it next year. Like I've said, um, with those early season sits, I'm going to, I'm going to go back there next year where I had that encounter with that buck the other night and I'm going to sit the edge of that cover and I'm going to, you know, try my, try my best. I think that it has to be kind of like the same scenario. Again, I think they're in there cause there's acorns there. Um, so you have to take those things into consideration, but most of my, most of my scouting ends up being, um, pre-rut sign. So those first two weeks in October, um, you know, everybody wants to say they, they saw a, a hot doe being chased by five bucks in, uh, <laughs> October 1st or something. Um, not that it couldn't be true, but it's probably not. Um, I think deer like to be together and they might run around or whatever, but, um, I think most of my sign that I find is pre rut sign and or rut sign. Um, but I do think the area, deer are using those reason areas for a reason. So I think capitalizing on learning what they do with them in the early season or how they relate to them at that time is important. Um, cause those bucks are going to be, they're masters at their territory. So if, if they're looking for does in their home range, during those last two weeks of October, they're going to be checking it sometime in the beginning of October is what my thought is there. Um, the frequency increases though, is what I see in the, in the last two weeks of October is you're going to have bucks, um, using those areas a lot more, maybe hitting the midday. Um, that's what my trail cameras have shown. That's kind of, kind of what I've seen as well. Um, you know, I love, anytime from October 16th, 15th, 16th, um, till, you know, the day or two before Halloween are some of my favorite times. Now talk a little bit about how you train, like position your cameras. Uh, how does that change from like your, you know, you can even go from your early summer to end of the summer to even currently, like how does that change? Uh, because obviously that, that shift happens and occurs. So how do you go about planning your, your trail camera strategy? Um, so I, I always, I always use the pre rut sign or rut sign to hang some of them on. Like I'm not planning on moving those cameras. I'm not right. planning on 
changing their area. So a lot of those will go on scrapes or pattern scrapes. I find that a single scrape isn't going to tell you a whole lot, but a scrape that, that scrapes that make a pattern are going to tell you a lot more. Right. Um, Troy and I, um, when we, when we bumped into each other that day, um, I had, I had found three pretty good sheds all on a scrape pattern. And the, the, I, I followed this great pattern from open woods all the way to uh, the spot that he, he hunted on Saturday. And we found some thick, gnarly tuck. We call it tucked in scrape. Um, it's next to a water hole. Um, I mean, this thing, it's like a bowl. When, when the ferns are gone, this thing is like a bowl. The deer use it all the time. Um, so there's, we have a camera on it um, and we, we kind of base it off of that. Right. So, um, it's all about, I think it's all about casting a net in the beginning of the, of the summer. You want to get those velvet bucks and see kind of what's around. Mostly I think it's just for us. I'll, I'll have a little bit of fun, right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, get eaten alive by bugs and whatnot in the middle of July. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, we had, a, we had a lot, a lot of really good velvet bucks on camera and we, we're still getting some of them on camera. So that's, you know, kind of fun. I think the one nice thing about a, a, a large cut, like some of the ones we have the opportunity to hunt, um, it's a sticking point, right? Um, you have clear line. We have clear lines now where deer are seeming to like, Oh, this bucks in this spot, this bucks in this spot, but you could hunt them all in the same day or you go to this one, you go to this one and you could all go in together, that kind of thing. Um, but because there's so much food there, it is, it is kind of a sticking point. It's away from pressure. Um, there's a lot of food. They do have an opportunity to get down really low or up really high on a ridge. Um, so there's a lot of escape opportunity. Um, and then they have, you know, uh, up to a mile, a mile and a half, maybe two miles away. They do have ag, like big ag as well. That okay. they, and for a mountain buck, I think two miles in the middle of the night is nothing right um now, now is there you know so we we talk about all the time you know trying to figure out that perfect tree where you're going to set up right you know that's a big important you know you get to your spot and we all d- do it where you kind of look around and you're like ah man do i want that tree or that tree you know i can shoot here there you know that that always runs through our head and we play that chess game you know and it drives us crazy now you know you have a general spot of where you want to get into and, and be at. And, and when you go in there, you, you never know what you're going to see or, you know, is there going to be rubs? Is there going to be scrapes? You know, is there going to be sign where they're eating acorns and they've been there before? So, you know, what sort of things are you looking for and what would you rather set up than the others um, when you go in there for maybe say, next week that cold front's coming in so you know you're going in there for an evening hunt maybe it's after work or on a saturday what sort of things are you looking for and where you're going to pick that perfect tree over some of that fresh sign what are you picking right so i think the perfect tree probably doesn't come from a tree that's actually the the perfect tree but whatever's on the ground right so you can't pick a tree based off of oh well it has like this one has really good cover. This one's going to be easy to get into. Like you said, uh, Dimitri, I think that it, I think it really has to do with what you're finding on the ground. Um, brand new scrapes, what kind of food is there? 
and then um, you're basing your tree off of the wind direction for what you want to sit at, on the sign you're going to sit. So uh, the buck that I killed last year, um, uh, I was hunting a 20-year-old clear cut, which is basically, you know, gray poles, right? There's not a lot of cover in them. There's not a lot of food in them. But the deer still tend to bet on those edges because they've used it for 20 years, right? They started betting on it early on. Now they're using it. There's a clear cut above it. So I'm hunting, um, you know, the strip of uh, strip of timber between the cuts. What happened with this last year, or I should back up, two years ago, I busted a really, a really nice uh, uh, 125, 130-inch eight-pointer. And um, we had some nice weather, and my buddy and I were like, oh, we're going to go in there and sit the evening. Well, we had a camera on uh, on a scrape. Um, they they tended to make scrapes on a, a brushy, um, like a line of brush that kind of connected these two older clear cuts together. And um, the scrape was dead. It was covered up. There was, you know, a couple, one nice buck and a couple small bucks on this camera that I was using. And when I walked to that camera, I was like, I just passed five scrapes that were probably made this morning. Like there were like the dust was still on the leaf, like the, the dirt was still on the leaves. And I'm like, well, that was dumb. So I turned around and walked the, you know, whatever it was 80 yards back. And I, I looked around and I'm like, well, this kind of looks like it would be okay. But I like, I've never seen deer using this. They're always towards the direction that I had this camera in. Um, I'm like, well, I'm going to do, I'm going to do the good thing. So I picked a tree and it really wasn't, it really wasn't a tree I would love to do. It was a bean pole, but you know, at the time I'm also using, remind you, I'm using a, 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 a hang on in sticks. So it's an easy tree to get into. There's not a lot of cover, but I could get up in it pretty high cause it was a pretty stout red Oak. Um, but it was right for the wind, right for the moment. And I ended up, um, killing my buck last year out of that tree because I didn't, I didn't, go past those scrapes. So picking the perfect tree is, is more about what I'm finding on the ground. And then, you know, how can I, some people like to shoot to that destination or, um, or, you know, sit in between where the deer might come to and go to that destination. I'm one of the ones that like to shoot towards that destination. So if I'm, if I'm walking in, there's fresh sign. I want to be able to shoot, have a shot at that sign. So I'm basing my, my tree pick off of how, how well I can do that. Now with some of the intel that you've gained over the years, is there, is there any way, whether it's time of year or what you're seeing on the ground of knowing when that deer made that sign, right? We kind of talked about, you know, some of these rubs and scrapes are made at nighttime. Is there a certain way you can determine that or, you know, figure out maybe that buck made it during the day as he's cruising for does, any sort of intel or, or knowledge that you can pick up on so, some of that sign? Uh, day and nighttime sign for me is hard, um, but I, I do base it off the cover. Um, as far as scrape making, um, I think one thing that's helpful for me for scrape making is uh, what the weather did that day, right? Like bucks love to open scrapes up right after it rains. Um, this particular day, I knew it rained in the morning, so I knew a buck probably just opened that up. Because like I said, um, you're, you're looking for the obvious stuff, like there's dirt 
still on the leaves. The dirt's wet. The dirt in the in the in the scrape is wet. The roots are maybe frayed a little bit and not dried out. Um, that are inside that scrape. Rubs obviously are like oh the shavings are are fresh. Maybe to maybe it's green something like that. Um, I don't find that bucks come back to rubs too often if they're just kind of cruising through and making them. Rub lines are more important um, for me. Rub lines with the scrape with new scrapes are are what I really cling to. Um, but as far as scrapes go, that I think that's what I'm going to base that on. Like oh, they're coming back to that today. If they made it out, if they opened it up after a rain, they're going to want to check it in the afternoon. Um, if they're making it to a bed before the doe does, um, like, uh, let's say it rains at four o'clock in the morning and stops around that, or, you know, it's raining up till four o'clock. The buck goes, opens that scrapes up and goes back to bed. Well, he knows that those are probably in there between eight and nine o'clock. Well, he's not coming out at eight or nine o'clock. He might, if it's the right time of year or the right doe or a weird buck, I don't know, but he probably is already back in his bed. Um, and unless it's close to his bed and he's, he can get up and, and stay safe while he's checking that he's probably coming back to check that in the evening at some point in time. That's what that, this buck did last year. He was actually kind of, it was, uh, the end of October and he was kind of hounding a few does and, um, was, was making some new scrapes and checking out those scrapes. So I'm assuming he's the buck that made those scrapes in the morning, um, after that rain. Nice. All right, let me throw a scenario at you, and we'll play. We'll we'll pretend we don't know that you have off next week. So that's let's let's play that. Um, okay. So here's the scenario. So uh, next Friday, October twenty second, you're getting off of work at least at a decent time. Or let's let's know this: you you are off, but that Friday during the morning and kind of early afternoon, you got some some things you got to do. Right, the weather's finally starting to cool down in our favor it's in your favor you're able to get out though that that night that evening that, that friday evening you see saturday also looks really good how are you handling this friday night and saturday hunt um i'm definitely going to different places um and i'm keeping in mind um you know the high for uh uh i'm trying to think of how i how i always put this to people the the low for the day is the low for the next day, right? So if it says um, 59 and 46, 46 isn't the low for today. It's what tomorrow's low is going to be in the morning, right? So I'm keeping that in mind when you're looking at everybody's looking at, oh, is it a 12-degree temperature drop or is it is it whatever, you know. 12 degrees is, is significant. That's going to get deer on their feet. That's what I really like to see. Um, if you have a really hot streak, 5 degrees might be different for a deer and really get them moving. But, um, uh, for an evening sit, I'm probably going to, um, to take my time getting into, uh, I'm trying to think maybe I probably would go with, um, an area where I was using a cell cam. Um, maybe it's popping off early and I'm going to scout my way in. Um, I'm going to look for, uh, you know, if you're using a scrape, the cell cam it's probably historical scrape like there's a reason it's there but i'm going to look for ones that are add-ons why did they add it on um is there a particular buck that's hitting that camera um uh 
is there a better way for me to find him? Is he only showing up from this direction and on these, on this wind, that kind of thing. And I'm going to, I'm going to find to see if there's a, a heavier concentration of sign on my way into a scrape like that. If I don't find it and I'm getting good Intel on a camera like that, I'll probably hunt near the camera, um, for the evening hunt. Um, for the morning, I, I, um, I like any area a deer can cruise, check their scrapes. Um, I like, I like rub lines that show, um, you know, in and out of bedding areas. Uh, this buck that, that I just told you about in the same area I killed my buck last year, I actually told this story, uh, on Tony Peterson's podcast. He, I saw this deer at 11 o'clock. It was, um, I think it was like October 19th and it was a significant cold front. Hadn't seen anything all morning. Um, he was, he must've been bedded on the edge of that old clear cut and was just getting up to check his line in between cuts. And, um, uh, I'm getting ready to call it quits. Cause I'm like, well, I haven't seen anything. And my buddy was seeing deer all morning. I think it was like 1130 or noon. And he just, came straight out from, from this thicker stuff on the edge of this old clear cut and was going along and checking his, checking his scrapes on his way. Um, he ended up, I had a, a, a frame pack and I hadn't ripped the tag off the bottom of it that I, I mustn't have seen a tag and there was a white tag and it was flapping in the breeze. And when he got, I drew my bow and when he, he just stopped behind some trees and he saw that tag go and he was out. <laughs> wow. Jeez. So you see, the, yeah, I was going to say, you see that, uh, how, how many times you play that over? Oh, every time I go back in there, I'm like, I'm not bucking. <laughs> I can remember the sun was perfect. It was like shining right where he came out of. And I'm like, oh, it makes my heart hurt. I, I, I shot an 11 pointer that year though. So there you go. Made up, made up for it. <laughs> Nice. Now, like you said earlier, like around that time frame, you don't mind sitting in all day. So are you picking a spot uh, on that Saturday where you, you will be in that area all day? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I might, I might move, but it won't be far. Yeah. If you see deer um, coming in and, and moving yeah. at a different spot and yeah. Yeah, I just got to get over I'm, Right. Always take your time to observe. Um, if you're, I mean, don't be afraid to get down right? Like yeah. how, how long does it take to get in the saddle? 30 minutes. If you during it quietly, you know, um, I think that it's important to just, everybody wants to get in a tree really fast, but you could get in a tree with a deer 50 yards away from you. If you take your time, right? So if you're seeing something moving down a ridge from you, you should get out and go there. Like yeah. don't waste your time sitting where they're not, right. not that they're not going to be there of course anything could show up but yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna pick a spot where i'm i'm feeling comfortable and confident that i could sit all day and um uh have an opportunity at cruising um something like that uh like i said those those series of points that i find on a ridge like if you find a place where a ridge bends and it you probably aren't going to see it on a map all the time sometimes it'll be pretty obvious but sometimes it's just going to look like small waves on a map well if you actually walk that sometimes those are deep grooves and those are perfect points for bucks to just jump in and out of um and when you're scouting there in the winter 
and you you have confirmation like yeah this is where they cross because i see the snow and it's the only place on there where tracks are well they're going to use the same they're going to use it the same way right. might not be the same deer but they're going to use those crossings the same way and they're going to use the cover of terrain to hide the same so i do have a few areas like that where ridge bends where i like to to hunt those um to hunt those series of points because i know bucks use them use those low spots to hide and uh to their advantage like that now on those same you know same scenario if if you don't see anything in the morning and you plan on sitting all day you still sitting there all day or you gonna still maybe move slightly maybe scout around a little bit maybe try to find some fresher sign in that area and then set up is that something what you would do or is there a totally different game plan now I'm, I'm probably I'm probably gonna move if I don't see something in the morning. I'm a heppler, so I have ants in my pants. You know, <laughs> I, I need to, I need to move a little bit. <laughs> um, I, I, I like I said, I'm probably not gonna move far if I have confidence in a spot. Um, I'm I I might even base something like that off of camera intel. Like, oh, I have more bucks on camera in the evening versus morning on on this area. So I'm probably going to use something like that because that's kind of a confidence booster. It's something that you can um, uh, cling to in your mind when you're sitting in a tree stand and you're kind of, uh, you know, staring at the same five trees where you can be like, well, I know something comes through here at this time of day and I really prefer, I really prefer to go on things that I know um, no exists. So I think that's kind of a helpful, helpful thing for your mind to get through the, the rough times when it gets a little monotonous. Yeah. Good. All right. Rapid fire. You ready? Yep. Pre-rut or rut? Which one do you like hunting best? Pre-rut. Bedding or clear cuts? Clear cuts. (laughs) When are you more inclined to shooting a doe? Uh, rifle season. <laughs> Fixed or mechanical? Fixed. Which one? Fixed. All right, well, oh, which, what, yeah, fixed? What, yeah. Um, this year I'm I'm going all natural, man. A muzzy, muzzy three fixed blade, 125 grains, and for some reason, they're shooting great out of my bow this year. So the, I'm tr- them. the troll cars. No, no, just this great old cheap old yeah muzzy they're like working it. great this year i like no, it. I, I i did i i did for a while i was shooting slick tricks for a while i like yeah. slick tricks they're a great broadhead yeah. um they stand up well i just couldn't get them to fly out of my bow this year for some reason so I'm, i was like well my dad did so my dad likes slick tricks they never agreed with my setups ever for some reason yeah. i don't know yeah yeah they they worked really good for me for a couple of years but just I, some, I seem that I could shoot any other fixed broadhead or mechanical, but slick tricks for some reason, they just don't, don't do it in my setups. Yeah. Now that you've been tra- testing out the saddle, if you had to pick one, you going to stand, stand or saddle. I don't think I'm sitting in a tree stand ever again. Nice. <laughs> I li- <laughs> but for rifle season, I will probably sit. I have, I have a pretty great uh, rifle stand on, on my, my family friend's farm. So yeah. I, I feel like it's like, there's something to be said about a good old faithful tree stand when, you know, you're a PA boy, you're like, Oh, yeah. it's kind of to get up in that stand and remember some things. Right. Yep. It's funny. My dad, when I was, came home this weekend, I picked up, he got my daughter, her two forty three, and he goes, well, you know, 
next time you come in, let's set up the blind for what, you know, we were talking about where we want to put it. And cause she has a doe tag for, for, for that unit. And he goes, and if she enjoys it, uh, he goes, maybe we'll get one of those big box blinds. And I'm like, where the hell are you putting that sucker up up there? He goes, he goes, that way she'll really enjoy it. I'm like, man, you just want to get yourself one of those. Like, yeah. Um, put a heater in it. Yeah. That's what, yeah, that, he, that's exactly what he said. I'll put a heater in it. He has one of those 360 during rifle season that turn, like the seat turns 360 and he has a portable little heater he brings with him. I'm like, here, uh, he's funny, man. All right. Last, yeah. Yeah. Last. I get you. Yep. Last one. You have uh, to pick two days, your favorite two days to hunt. What are your favorite two days? October 22nd and um, uh, November 4th. Nice. Awesome, man. Do you got anything else? Just probably what do you think is the biggest mistake people make in the last two weeks of October? Well, if I'm going to reflect on myself first, it's probably, um, you know, finding a few ways to get it together when the moment happens. Right. Cause there's been a, there's been a couple of heartbreaks in the last couple of years with some encounters where I'm like, Oh, why did I, Oh, I should have did this. Um, they weren't all, you know, simple things like, Oh, take the tag off your pack. You dummy. Like, <laughs> that was something I overlooked. I could have, that could have easily been fixed or even like, um, throw some brush on your pack. Think about simple things when you're, you know, take your time. Um, uh, you don't really have anything to lose, uh, just a deer. So if you really want that deer, just take your time. Um, if you spook some deer, it's just something you learned. Yeah. Um, for example, that pack, I could have taken time, like I said, tying it up in a tree, covering it with brush, something like that. But, you know, I get my, into my stand a little bit late. Oh, I don't have time for that. Like, just take your time. I like it. That deer didn't get there till 1130. I had plenty of time. <laughs> I got there. I got to the base of that tree at five in the morning, you know? Um, so I think that's, that's something that people overlook. We're in a, in a rush society. Um, we just, we're working our way through some, a crazy year and, and people are just chopping at the bit to do things and, overwhelmed don't be overwhelmed you're just in it to have fun anyway um uh this is your time to enjoy and relax so just just do it yeah well said that's what honestly saturday was so nice when i was up at the mountain by myself i didn't my dad didn't even hunt i i finished that morning sit i went up i brought my hammock with me because i even told my dad lives two minutes away you know what i mean yeah. like i could literally run to to his house basically and i he's like you coming back i said nope i'm just I'm hanging up there. I'm going to go scout my way in for the evening and hunt a different yeah. spot. So I don't blow up everything for he and I for later on in the year. And, uh, yeah, man, I just, I brought my hammock. I made some coffee. I made some food and hung out for a little bit and changed, uh, put on a new top for the evening and out I went and, you know, enjoyed myself. Yeah. Well, I know you guys both have kids and you know, it's, it's like one of those things where, um, if you can just be in your own mind without something around you, (laughs) like things in your ears and technology and all that, if you can just like be in your own head for even an hour in the woods, you come home a better person. Yeah. My kid likes me better. My wife likes me better. I clean the house more, you know, exactly. I know. I know. It just makes you, it makes you overall well-rounded. 
Yeah. Good, man. Well, dude, I appreciate you so much for coming on. And where could people find you and, and follow you? And, and uh, I know you've written a couple, you know, here, a couple things here and there. So where, where could people find you, dude? Sure. Um, I'm on Instagram. It's just Aaron Hepler. Um, and I'm on Facebook as well. Um, I write pretty often. I haven't written for a while, but I've, I write for BHA from time to time. And um, I've been writing for, uh, for Clint Campbell um, as well. Um, so having fun, having fun doing some of that stuff. So you can find me at those places. Awesome, dude. Well, check them out, everybody. Thank you so much for, uh, listening to this one, get out there. It's, it's, uh, it's that time of the year. So just like Aaron was saying, he he has the game plan. So any questions hit him up. Thanks again, everybody. Antler up. And that's a wrap for another episode of the Antler Up podcast. Thank you so much for checking us out. Be sure to check us out over on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook. And if you liked what you heard, go ahead and leave a five-star review over at whatever platform you listen to. Thank you so much for your continued support. We greatly appreciate it. Best of luck to you as you continue to hunt this upcoming season. Thanks again, Antler Up.